On this third Sunday of Advent, we have the traditional lighting of the rose candle in our Advent wreath, and the, the priest wears rose vestments at Mass. In the middle of this otherwise season of violet or purple, the darker colors, on this third Sunday of Advent, we wear brighter colors, and we hear St. Paul's message, Gaudete, rejoice, everyone. It always strikes me as strange, though, that this day of rejoicing and the rose candle is the, the third Sunday of Advent and not the fourth. It would seem that as we get closer to Christmas, we're adding lights to our Advent wreath. We get that light is coming. <clears throat> but yet, the third Sunday is, is in the middle of Advent. Next Sunday, we, we go back to purple again, and it's dark why, why then rose and rejoicing in, in the middle of Advent rather than the end as we're almost to Christmas? Well, I think that very much ties in with the, the lessons of our readings today and the real message of St. Paul to rejoice. It's not that we rejoice because the battle is done or because everything is going well or because it, we're just almost to the finish line. Rather, Paul, in the message of the church today, is to rejoice precisely in the middle of darkness, before the, the light is imminent, to say that we can see and hope for the light that we know is coming, even in the middle of the darkness. So I think it's actually a good, appropriate message that in the middle of Advent, the church says, all right, let's let's recognize that even in the darkness, the light shines. Because it's easy to lose hope, especially when things get dark. And, you know, lest we think that that's just our problem, I think all too familiar, we know what it's like to lose hope in the middle of darkness, we have our gospel today in which we, we see this great figure of Advent, St. John the Baptist, his whole mission was to point out the coming of the light to a people in darkness. To say, don't, don't despair, have hope. Behold, the Lamb of God, the Messiah has come. And John fulfilled his mission perfectly. He baptized Jesus. He pointed him out. Behold, the Lamb of God. He told all his disciples, don't follow me anymore. Follow him. He's the one that I told you was coming after me. He's the one. The, the message today of Jesus, even in the gospel, is that everyone was expecting that someone would come, that this prophet Elijah, it was said, would, would return to announce the coming of the Messiah. Jesus is saying, that's him, John the Baptist. In fact, he's the greatest of all the prophets, the greatest of any born of women. All that is true, and yet, and yet, in prison today, John the Baptist has been arrested. He's no longer able to be in the light himself. He's in the dungeon of Herod. The voice of one crying in the wilderness to prepare the way of the Lord is now silenced in the, the dark dungeon of Herod's palace. And we know before too long he's, he's going to be beheaded as a, just a throwaway birthday gift for Herod's wife. That's dark. That is the middle of darkness, literally for John, in the dungeon. Unless we think that somehow 
hope is a virtue that just stays in all of us. John the Baptist, at this darkest moment of his life, seems to perhaps have doubt. Now, there are different interpretations of what this means, but today from prison, we know that it says when John the Baptist heard in prison of the works of the Christ, he sent his disciples to Jesus with this question. Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? Now, this is the same John who confidently told everyone, he is the one, that's the one of whom I spoke. He saw the Holy Spirit descend like a dove on Jesus as he baptized him. He was confident. No one could be more sure than John. His whole life was about that mission, and yet, in prison, in darkness, about to be executed, even John could have given in to some doubt and said, I, I thought he was the one, but maybe not. I, here I am dying in prison, and Jesus isn't doing some of the things that I thought the Messiah would do. He's not conquering the, the powerful. Here Herod is throwing me in prison. But notice the, the despair is ultimately met with a good reply from Jesus. Jesus comes to us, too, in our despair when we are tempted to give up. I think we, we need not minimize the, the darkness of our life. Sometimes people want to pretend that just everything's okay. No, my, my faith will never be shaken. I have great faith. And, and then something happens. There's sickness in the, the family or a loss of a job or some other calamity or sadly troubles in families, divorce. And all of a sudden, we're like John in prison and our great faith that seems so filled with hope all of a sudden is crying out to God, you know, save me. I'm, I'm in darkness. I'm in this pit. We can find good company, I think, with John today as, as we might say, is this really the Christian hope? It seems like so much is going wrong. And if so, we, we need not minimize it, nor need we think ill of ourselves for like, if I just had more faith. John the Baptist, Jesus says, he's the greatest one ever. And he seems to need a little encouragement. So what, what is the encouragement that comes? Notice what Jesus does. He does not say to his disciples, go and tell John, cheer up, man. <laughs> Remember? I'm the Lamb of God. You pointed me out. How could you possibly doubt me? You know, feel better. That, that's, that's not what Jesus says. Rather, he tells them to go tell John not how to feel. Don't say encourage him. He says, tell John simply what you see in here. The blind regain their sight. Lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. Well, that's exactly the message of Isaiah in our first reading. It says, when the Messiah comes, he will do these things, like cure blind people, make the lame walk, the dead are raised. Well, John knows that's what Jesus has done. I think this is an important distinction. No matter how John feels, no matter how dark it is, the comfort that Jesus gives is to depend not on how you feel. 
Because being in a dungeon in the darkness doesn't feel good. Rather, depend upon what you know. The lame are walking. Blind people are seeing. The dead are being raised. And perhaps most importantly, the fulfillment of the Messiah's mission, the good news is being preached to the poor. With these words, John could know in his mind, no matter how he feels, this is exactly what Isaiah said the Messiah would do. Jesus is doing it. Therefore, the answer to my question is no, he is the one. And no, we need not look for another because I know Jesus is doing what the Messiah would do. I can kind of relate this a little bit. I'm a a pilot, actually, a private pilot. I fly airplanes and I have an advanced pilot's license, you might call it, called an instrument rating. Because normal pilots, when you first start, you can fly when you can see, but you can't fly in clouds. In fact, whenever you hear of like a a private pilot crashes airplane, uh, oftentimes it's because he flew into a cloud and he didn't have that instrument rating to do it. Because here's the thing, when you fly into a cloud in an airplane, you have no idea which way is up. You're like, well, I just feel it. No, If, if you turn left, all of a sudden it feels like the force of the ground is to your right. And if you get in a cloud, you'll turn your plane upside down and you won't even know it. So when you're flying in a cloud, what you do with the instrument rating is you have to look at basically six instruments right in front of you and know, okay, it feels all wrong because your inner ear is messed up. It feels like I'm flipping my plane upside down, but I look at my instruments and it says, no, my altimeter says I'm, I'm not gaining or losing altitude. Vertical speed indicator, yep, it's, it's at zero. I'm not climbing or descending. Heading indicator, straight. I'm not turning. My, my turn bank indicator, nope, says my wings are level. I look at my attitude indicator, I am level. That's what I look at even when my body is telling me my plane is flipping upside down. What is happening? An instrument rated pilot has to look straight ahead, look at his instruments and say, no, my instruments are correct. I am straight and level even though it feels all wrong. Because if you respond to your feelings in a cloud, you will flip your plane upside down and you will crash. Controlled flight into terrain. That's what happens. Rather, you have to learn to trust your instruments. That's basically the message of Jesus to to John today. Trust not in your feelings. Trust in what you see and hear. And that is the message, brothers and sisters, for all of us when we are in the middle of darkness, when we are in the cloud. Don't trust that it says, you know what, I feel awful. You know what, my, my family is a mess. My marriage is a mess. This isn't what I thought I was getting into when I got married. It feels all wrong. So we'll go change our spouse and think, we'll try something else. Or, you know, this feels bad. I'm not fulfilled here. So I'm going to change all my jobs and my employment and risk my family because I want to feel better. If we chase that, that's as dumb as, you know, responding to our feelings in an airplane in a cloud. You will mess yourself up immediately and eventually crash yourself into the ground. Rather, the answer is steady constant. Pay attention not to how you feel, but what you know. It feels like God has abandoned me. It feels like, is there even a God? Immediately, we must respond with acts of faith to say, I know God exists because of this, this, and this from my past. 
I know and believe that he is my father who loves me, who will save me from the darkness. I know that he has been with me throughout my life. I know in the Eucharist that that is his body, blood, soul, and divinity that sustains my soul no matter how I feel about it. I know that when I go to confession, my sins are forgiven, even if I feel like a decrepit sinner still. Trust in what you know. Trust in the true light of God's truth and grace. That's the the rose candle in the middle of all this other purple. Finally, here's St. James today, the second reading. Patience. Now we hear that and like, well, I want to feel good in the midst of suffering. No, 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 no. Patience comes literally from the word meaning to suffer. It's not easy to feel awful in the middle of darkness and have to tell yourself, no, this isn't true. James says, patience, literally patheor in Latin, suffer through it. It's not fun when you're flying and you just want to relax and you feel like you're upside down and have to tell yourself, no, I'm straight and level. That requires the virtue of what we call fortitude, to stick with it, to suffer through it. Be patient like the farmer that waits for the seed to blossom. That's, that's the Advent message of this third Sunday. Not, let's all be happy, you know, rejoice, as in feel good. No, 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 no. Paul is not saying, everybody feel good today. You feel how you feel, and you may feel awful today. You know, Paul said those words while he was in prison, while he was getting beaten up, shipwrecked. The gospel wasn't being accepted. Paul had all kinds of reasons to feel awful. And yet he tells us in the middle of that, Gaudete, and lest we think that, Paul, you're crazy. He's like, no, no, I say it again. Gaudete, rejoice. I really mean it. I know it looks like everything's bad. Rejoice anyway. Because we know that even though next week the candle's purple again, that the light really is coming. Not the, not the light that says everybody be happy in this world. Rather, it gets a little dark again, but we know that that's rose candle. It got nothing on Christmas. We replace all the candles with beautiful white candles, lights everywhere. We'll be singing with the angels. We know that's coming, but that represents the ultimate rest at the end of this life. That's coming. That's the ultimate hope. Heaven, at the end of all this light we can't imagine. But while we're in this world, I can't think of a better symbol, really, than a, a rose candle surrounded by a bunch of purple ones. That's most of our lives. Yeah, a little bit of light, some real joy, a chance to rejoice, but in the middle of a lot of darkness, too. Well, here, then, the great beginning of St. John the Evangelist's Gospel, which is true of our, our purple candles with this rose in the middle. It's true of all of our lives. Behold, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's hope, and that's why today we can rejoice.